We're talking Apple earnings on this throwback edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools, and welcome to Industry Focus. It is throwback week, and so we are talking with some of our old hosts. I am Dylan Lewis, the bureau chief of Fool.com, the tech bureau, and I am joined in studio by Nathan Hamilton. Nathan, how's it going? It's going awesome. Glad to be back here. Yeah, uh, it has been a little bit over a year since you used to be doing the show. You guys haven't talked about Apple since, right? Nope. No, we've been totally mum on the subject. We wanted to save it for you. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so you used to be the bureau chief for um, Fool.com, running the tech bureau. And uh, can you talk a little bit in what you've been doing in the time since then? So uh, after working in in tech and consumer goods for Fool.com, did a little bit of marketing on the U.S. side. And more recently, in the past two to three months, um, have been working on um, some of our international products. Um, I'm sure a lot of the podcast listeners don't know that we're also in Canada, we're in Australia, we have small operations in Germany just getting ready to launch a product in Singapore. So uh, the full brand is actually global. We're so going global. We are, we are. We're taking over. Help the world invest yeah. better, right? <laughs> And, and listeners, if you hear me at any point during the show pining for validation, it is because Nathan used to be my boss. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so look how far I've come. Uh, hopefully he approves. Yes, yes. So, so for the show, I mean, how can we not talk about Apple earnings, right? We can. It's every single headline out there. And I'm sure uh, – I know our readers want to hear other stuff, but they also want to hear about Apple as well. So yeah. happy to provide some insights. And we love doing the deep dives. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So for the most recent report, revenue for the quarter was $50.6 billion, which was down 13% year over year. And diluted EPS was $1.91, down from uh, $2.34 a year ago. And so uh, one of the reasons, in addition to the fact that I just I couldn't resist talking about Apple, <laughs> that I wanted to talk about Apple's earnings was uh, one of your last shows, you did a breakdown, or a preview, actually, of Apple's earnings. And you specifically honed in on four things. It was, I believe the title of the show was Apple Earnings, Three Things to Focus on and One Thing to Ignore, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be fun, given this most recent report, to revisit those four categories. Did I predict Apple at like 150 or, or anything like that? I don't think so. There's, okay, there's good, only crazy. Good. No, there's not going to be like a gotcha moment where I okay. like, ah. <laughs> um, So the first of those things that you wanted to focus on was iPhone sales. And so why don't mm-hmm. we start there? Um, so for the most recent quarter, 51.2 million units sold. Uh, they still clock in at roughly two-thirds of their revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the big driver for them. And obviously, probably the culprit when you look at this uh, down year-over-year revenue growth. So what did we see with that? Um, what can investors make of it? So I think, um, I mean, we were, we were talking about it a little bit before, but <clears throat> you almost have to look at where Apple is in the upgrade cycle. And put that into context and look at it. Okay, when Apple went from the 5S to the 6, different change in form factor, everything changed, and they had blockbuster sales. I can't remember the exact numbers at the time, but I recall 40% year-over-year growth um, during some quarters when, when the 6 came out. Where we are now, essentially the iPhone 6SE, essentially a 5 form factor with better guts to it. Mm-hmm. better processors. That was essentially on sale starting in April, so it's not even reported in the most recent quarter for Apple. And you have to look at it that way as, you know, it's pretty much expected. iPhone sales are probably going to come down a little bit when there isn't a huge upgrade, when in, when there isn't a change in the form factor altogether. So, you know, 
You, yeah, you, you mentioned a good point. You, you almost have to look at Apple in two-year cycles and say, okay, what's happening here? Because the longer-term side of it, Apple's still adding territories. They're still growing um, in a lot of different important countries. The U.S., of course, not doing much for actual iPhone unit sales. There's, you know, the companies pretty much trade market share. But the longer-term story, you, you kind of see a, a slightly upward trending um, trajectory for iPhones over time. But you know, from quarter to quarter, definitely not. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's tempting to look at uh, companies' comps year over year. Sure. But when you have this very clear product cadence of the new numerical issue and then the new numerical issue S, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the year-to-year march, uh, it's in some ways not really fair to compare numbers year-to-year. It's almost more of a two-year comp yeah. cycle. But also, I mean, to... To put that in context as well, it's not just a matter of, okay, things are still going to go great for Apple, because if you look at previous iPhone releases, they did have the quarter-over-quarter growth, even in down, down times where there wasn't a really fresh um, a fresh model coming out. So, you know, it's not the most favorable, but I don't think it's anything if you're looking for Apple as, you know, a, a somewhat safer stock to say, okay, I'm out of it, hit the sell button, we're done, Apple. Yeah, and, and so. one other note with uh how particularly rough the comps that they were going up sure. against were. Uh, they actually had a lot of supply constraints when they issued the 6 to begin with. And so a lot of the demand for the 6 bled into this quarter. You know, it was originally launched uh, in what, I guess, fiscal Q1. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of pent up demand and supply issues, a lot of that wound up trickling into Q2. So that mm-hmm. inflated what was already just incredible demand because of the new form factors and a lot of the new things they brought to that line. The great debate of Apple is whether they plan out their strategic supply shortages. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, maybe it is. There's such high demand that they can't keep up with it. But at the same time, sometimes I think a company like Apple can't keep up with demand and can't predict. But who knows? Yeah. That's my that's my uh, my theory. <laughs> yeah. So second thing you mentioned in that episode a year or so back was focusing in on gross margins. Mm-hmm. And so... A year ago, they clocked in just under 38%. Now they're around 39.4%. So it's actually a nice little uptick. Mm-hmm. But if you look quarter to quarter, the story is a little bit different. They've actually trended down. Um, a while back, you said these days of these you know, high 40% gross margins, which I think is something they realized as recently as like 2012 or so, mm-hmm. um, those days are over. And I, I totally agree yep. with you. Um, that's just not sustainable for what they're doing right now. Uh, but you know, is there anything you're seeing on the gross margin side or the average selling price side? So on the ASP side, um, again, going back to the most recent release, um, it's not reflected in the quarter. So as I mentioned on the call, and as many people are predicting, over the next few quarters, you're probably going to see some pressure, some downward trends on on the uh, ASP, because as you look at it, uh, the 6SE, it is going to be a cheaper model. And it's, it's not necessarily made for U.S. markets. I'm sure people will buy it here. But really, the play is, okay, how do we get this thing to expand in? India, China, all the other developing economies where um, there may not be, or essentially they want the luxury of an iPhone, the high-end model, but may not be willing to pay up for it. Mm. And something we saw with this most recent report was ASPs were down year over year and sequentially. Mm -hmm. And in the guidance... Tough comps again. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) tough comps again. And um, that's probably going to continue to trend down. Like, as you mentioned, the the product mix profiles change dramatically with the SE, um, and the currency headwinds in the foreign markets are going to persist. I mean, yeah. that, that's not going anywhere either. Yeah, but you also, I mean, currency headwinds, just look at the constant currency revenue basis. That's a true guide of what a business is doing. Mm-hmm. If you're 
Well, if you're a short-term trader, okay, sure, you can look at that and maybe put it into your model and see what it spits out and make your decision. But if you're longer-term, you just have to look at what the actual business is doing, not what currencies are doing, which is out of their control. Yeah. And looking forward uh, from the conference call, management guided for gross margins to come in somewhere between 37.5 and 38% for this mm. upcoming quarter. Uh, again, this will be down sequentially. I think that that's very realistic, and I think that's where you're going to continue to see things. You know, last quarter, we talked about on the show, uh, they actually had a an above 40% gross margin. Mm-hmm. And that was a slightly inflated number because they had about $500 million coming in via a patent dispute with Samsung. Mm-hmm. And that added to the top line, and that was not tr- a true measure of the product operations. That was just a yep. one-off that was coming in. So One-time, non-recurring. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So don't get too used to the idea of those 40% margins. I think that we're going to be seeing them in the mid to high 30s. But at the same time, <laughs> and we'll talk about this a little bit, um, the high-margin businesses that they do have that, as we look at it, are pretty much, as I say it, in fuego. In I fuego. Mean, yeah, they're not super meaningful to the company, well, to Apple, but any other company any of those companies as a single one company would be a huge success, but not in Apple standards. Yeah, and we will tease that and make you wait until the second half of the show to get into exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the other big things you want to focus in on was the capital return program. Sure. And so at the time, it was an $130 billion program. Uh, it has now since ballooned to $250 billion, which is kind of crazy. Um, most recently, they announced the board authorized an additional $35 billion in share repurchases. So that total is 175 the remainder, of course, going in the way of dividend payments. Uh, you are an Apple shareholder. I am. I'm also an Apple shareholder. Yep. I love seeing these types of programs. Mm-hmm. I don't know about yourself. Um, I do. It's, it's pretty much expected at this point because when you're generating as much cash as Apple is, even with gross margin pressures, even with the ASPs coming down, it's still a very good business to own for um, – and also, we'll, we'll address this as well, what the perceptions or what the thinking should be for Apple in the future as an investor. But, you know, it's definitely a positive. I, w- I would like a little more dividend because right now it's just above the 2% yield. Um, but when you add in the fact that it's trading below 10 times earnings for, for a company like Apple at this very moment, when I checked 10 minutes before this podcast, um, it, it's definitely something to consider. But altogether... Um, they have to increase that capital return program over time. And I believe it extends through 2018. So I'm sure in six, nine, 12 months from now, we'll see a further extension of it. Um, but uh, sometimes I prefer dividends over buybacks. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. But either way, more good of the same for investors, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So the one thing you said to ignore when you did the show was EPS. Sure. In Apple's report. And so, uh, you know, you said, like, the, the 259 EPS estimate doesn't tell you anything about where the company's going to be in the next five years. Uh, this quarter, they delivered, I think it was 190 in share, uh, per, uh, diluted per share earnings. Um, it was within guidance, but it was off analyst expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I will pose to you again, uh, is this something we should ignore? <laughs> so this is my personal opinion. It's, it's not a one-size-fits-all for everyone, but I... Honestly, over the past year, even the most recent quarter, I could not tell you what Apple's EPS numbers are. I could tell you everything else about the business and, and discuss it, but it's just not anything I focus on because for the way I invest, it just doesn't have any relevance. So, you know, some people out there, maybe it does make sense. Maybe they do need to focus on EPS, and maybe I'm backtracking on my staunch sort of stance before, but... Um, I think for the type of investing we look at in The Motley Fool, and maybe you do with with your Apple shares in the way I do with mine, 
it just doesn't matter at all. It's a headline number that people will focus on for a week after earnings, then completely forget about and remember a week before earnings are in the next quarter. And to me, it just doesn't give any sort of indication of the business because, like, for example, so I believe their revenues were down 13% when accounting for currency fluctuations. Don't quote me on that exactly, but I believe it was right around that number. And that's uncontrollable. Um, yeah, that's a macro factor you just can't yeah. do anything about. And does it tell you anything about the business? No, not necessarily. Does it tell you that Apple is no longer innovative? No. Does it tell you that Apple is managing its expenses well as as that currency flows down to net income? No. It, it doesn't tell you all the important stuff. Um, so taking that into account for my purposes, no, I just don't. I, I just don't focus on it. But, hey, if there are people out there that do, I'd love to hear uh, your opinion. Send me an email. I'll... Uh, I'll look it over. <laughs> yeah, I'm a firm believer in checking out the underlying business segments, using mm-hmm. them as my guide. And so, uh, second half of the show, we'll get into that a little bit. Sure. Uh, before we do, hey, listeners, uh, if you enjoy our podcast and you're interested in hearing a little bit more from The Fool, check us out at focus.fool.com. There we have a special offer for our Stock Advisor newsletter for our industry-focused listeners. So, second half of the show, mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun to look at some of the big differences between the Apple of today and the Apple of a year plus ago and how the business has changed a little bit, some segments that are now a little bit more relevant than they had been in the past, uh, just kind of take stock of where things are. Mm-hmm. So over the last 12 months, Apple's actually down 20%, which is crazy. Yeah, we're not loving that, huh? No, uh, especially as someone that has added to my position during that period. Um, but uh, in, Did he catch the high or did he catch... <laughs> I, I caught bits of both. So okay, dollar okay. cost average, yep. right? Uh, always continue to buy and uh, make sure that you're working down at dollar cost average. But Very uh, foolish. Yes, of course. Compared to the previous 12 months, they were up over 60%. Sure. And so they, there was a period where it was very hard to be down on an Apple position. Um, and obviously, the story's changed a little bit there. I think looking at things to be very optimistic about as an investor from this most recent report, the services segment has to be one of them. Yep. Um, and this is, of course, the segment of their business that houses App Store, Apple Music, Apple Pay, just to name a few. Uh, they revealed that this is their second largest revenue driver. Yeah. Which blows my mind. I, I didn't realize that it was getting that big, and I think a lot of people were kind of surprised by that number. Uh, but it provided $6 billion last quarter, uh, which was up 20%. And one of the things that showed, I think, that there's going to be kind of an increased emphasis moving forward on this is in the conference call, they, t- they described this new non-GAAP metric, and they're calling it the purchase value of services tied to our installed base. And for last quarter, that was $9.9 billion. If that's not a sexy accounting name, <laughs> I don't know what is. Is that an official GAAP legal language? No, <laughs> they had to like somehow curve that in. But yeah, so this is... It is a, it is a good metric, though. I, I really like that they, they're breaking it out. Yeah, and so this is essentially the value of stuff that their service segment is facil- facilitating. Sure. Because... Uh, and the reason they have to create this metric is because there are a couple different accounting approaches for the different segments. Some of them run on a gross accounting, and some of them run on net accounting in terms of what actually shows up in the financial statements. Mm-hmm. And so this is done to just kind of clean up all of that. Um, you, you hinted at this earlier. A couple things for investors here. One of them is this segment operates in kind of a different margin profile than what you'd expect with the hardware Absolutely. business, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially an asset light business where – there are high margins that accompany it. But you also have to put it in the context. You, you said it exactly there. About $6 billion worth of revenue. Um, and I think it was 9.9 of facilitated transactions. Yeah, yeah. So like that, that new non-GAAP number is 9.9. Exactly. The actual revenue is 6. 
And then and you put that in the context of the iPhone and, and so forth, and you start to see how it will actually affect the margins. So it's not a huge driver, but it's definitely – I mean, if, could Apple add 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 of these businesses over time? Sure. Add some margins, get a couple billion out of them. That sounds <laughs> that sounds hilarious when, when you think about it. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it definitely is something to consider. Apple Pay, um, the margin – or sorry, the uh, the actual gross purchase volume – is up, but put it in context of the payments market as a whole, I believe Apple is around $9 billion in payment volume. PayPal, over the December quarter, not matching up exactly, was above $80 billion. Oh, wow. So, so there's definitely a lot of room. room. There. Yeah, there's room to grow there. And the important thing, which, which I think um, is definitely necessary to focus on, is the Apple ecosystem. And Tim Cook hit upon it in the call. And essentially, you look at, okay, you hold your, your iPhone. It can really do everything. And, and what it's doing at this point is nothing compared to what it eventually can do. It doesn't control your home. doesn't control your car. doesn't control your desktop computer. doesn't control your life, everything around you mm-hmm. w- when it comes down to it. And those are businesses that Apple very well could get into and essentially generate more revenue from, from the ecosystem because – I mean, it's just like telecom. It's once you're locked in, it's a pain in the butt to change. Yeah, I, I, I am an entrenched Mac user, iOS user, yeah. and like I love having it all in one place. I love being fully integrated. Yeah, I am going to change out of that with just like dragging, kicking, and screaming. I'm going to hate it if I ever do. You are what the financial world would call a sticky customer. Yes, and that, and that's exactly what what Apple has within their ecosystem, and, and there is value to it. And it seems like they're they're recognizing that with the new metric. To seeing what value this creates, you know, subsequent knock-on events and so forth. So, um, I like that they're breaking it out, but also put it in context. And if you're looking for significant growth to hit Apple, the company as a whole, from these businesses, let's yeah. wait a little bit and see. Yeah, yeah. It is another way to uh, enhance the value of that one billion installed base that they have, right? Yep. And so it is a tack on there. Hopefully, they can monetize that group a little bit. Yeah, more. I mean, healthcare stuff. The that's something that has, hasn't even been tapped into at all. Um, no, I don't think Apple even knows exactly what they want to do with it at this point, but there, there's definitely a lot of potential there. Yeah. Uh, another thing, this was not available when you were talking about Apple uh, mm-hmm. and doing the show, but the Apple Watch. Sure. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we still don't know a ton about it, <laughs> which is maddening. Um, but the company has been kind of infuriatingly opaque about the Apple Watch. On the most recent call, we got this. Uh, Unit sales of Apple Watch during the f- during its first year exceeded sales of iPhone in its first year, mm-hmm. which means they've sold at least six million. Mm-hmm. Some analysts think it's closer to twelve million. Uh, ASPs are believed to be around five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So this business right now looks like a three to six billion dollar business. Yep, not huge, but again, something to kind of watch. It gets people more involved yeah. in their ecosystem. By all business standards, that is a huge success. Um, and I, there are good things about the Apple Watch. Um, I recall one ar- article I recently read where it said more than 50% of Apple Watch buyers just don't think the watch has much value. Um, so it's important to put that in context. Okay, is that the thinking now, and will that be the thinking two to three years from now after, after they're able to iterate upon it or maybe add um, more health capabilities, um, controlling, you know, I guess, Internet of Things sort of um, ideas and controlling your home and, and so forth. So I think it, it could be a good idea, but when you have to look at it now, 
and what it means. I just don't think it's a huge success, even by Apple's standards. Um, it almost it almost feels a, a bit like the iPad. I mean, the the iPad sales are are trending down over the past year, year and a half ish um, during that time frame. Still generates a lot of revenue, has high enough margin where you're getting cash flow. Um, it's going to contribute to buying back shares. It's going to contribute to investing in the company and, and growth. But um, I would like to see something a, a little more innovative out of it. And at this moment, just don't see it. Yeah, it, the reception's been a little bit flat. I think yeah, it has. Yep. Uh, one of the big markets that people have been talking about for quite some time is China, mm-hmm. and you know just the huge market potential there. Uh, a year ago, the company posted 81% year-over-year growth in mainland China. Mm-hmm. This quarter, revenue was down 11% or 7% in constant currency, something that you like to focus on. Uh, both of these are less than overall declines, still not ideal for what you consider to be, or what everyone really considers to be, a very high-growth market for them. Yeah, and and that may actually, if I recall back to a year ago, we were very big on it, saying, okay, China's the huge contributor, and, and it, it very well will be over time. That was when they were just starting to bring um, some big telecoms on board, expanding 4G coverage, um, and you sort of see the uptake when the iPhone expands to a population that didn't really have it much of it before. Um, so you, you get that sort of hockey stick growth to it. Um, it. It has cooled down a little bit, and it is interesting because if you looked on at the headlines before we record here, I see Carl Icahn on the front page of Yahoo Finance saying, okay, I've sold my Apple position. And one reason is that China is a concern. And, for example, they've shut down Apple services, right. um, including the App Store. So you have to look at it. Those are high-margin high businesses with a huge population. Apple loves their ecosystem. They have to get it out to them. But what if the App Store can't do that? How do they actually get the ecosystem out and expand upon it? So it, it's definitely something to consider. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it's still pretty favorable within China. There are a lot of favorable factors. And if and Tim Cook made the point here during the conference call, they're taking uh, an 11% dip on 81% growth. Sure. So, you know, that, that is still a very large segment. And even if it didn't grow year over year, it's still contributing for the company. But shareholders want, they want the good money. I mean, it's disappointing to me. I, I know we can frame it either way. It's um, slower growth coming off of blockbuster growth. But a you're only as good as what you just did. So you have to continue and, and, and offer up growth. Otherwise, people are going to be uh, questioning your the future. If you are looking for a regional market to be excited about as an Apple investor, uh, I think it's India, mm-hmm. just based on the most recent call. Uh, Tim Cook, in talking about the market potential there, said India is where China was maybe seven or ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And for the region, iPhone sales this most recent year or this most recent quarter, we're up 56% year over year. So that's obviously a bright spot in that report. The retail business is a little bit different there um, because you don't have these telecoms or the you know the wireless providers yep. acting as basically a storefront for smartphone manufacturers. Uh, they have to build out their retail presence. And so the challenges there are quite different. But if you're an Apple investor and you want something to put in your bull cap, like that's one of the things. Yeah, and I mean, one thing to look for if you pay close attention to Apple and, and what happens, I guess, with the government in, in India is a lot of American companies have had difficulties 
opening up brick and mortar establishments within India. So you kind of have to look for that to change. Over time, Walmart's been able to. Some other major manufacturer or other retailers have been able to. But it's definitely a roadblock with the government that it does slow down growth from what it could be. I mean, it's very impressive growth what they've had recently. But it could be even better if things were running or firing on all cylinders with the government, which we know that probably won't happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that'll change in time. Yeah. But it's interesting when you back it up to their product strategy as a whole with the uh, the iPhone SE. Obviously, that's a play for markets like India where um, there is huge competition from the likes of Xiaomi, um, and they are hitting it hard with very good, high-quality phones. Um, some say on par with what the iPhone offers for a far cheaper price. Yeah, so, the price point is dramatically different. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've uh, they've got a really good strategy in India so far, so Apple will be bumping up against them quite a bit. Yeah. So you mentioned Carl Icahn has sold his entire position in Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the big news items uh, sure. of the past week, following earnings, of course. Um, and he cited concerns of the Chinese market. I think one of the thing one of the things he did say though was the stock is still cheap on a multiples basis. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on the company at this point? W- yeah. Where do they fit in? So I'll I'll give you my thoughts, but actually go back to some thinking I had maybe two years ago when I, I loaded up on a few more Apple shares, and I told myself, if Apple ever dips below nine times earnings. To me, I'm going to buy shares regardless of whether I think it's a high-growth company or just want a dividend or, or some sort of income. Right now, shares are just below 10 times earnings, which on all accounts, if you compare it to IBM, Oracle, Cisco, who are all trading for values or uh, multiples above 12 times earnings, it does look pretty cheap. Um, but you have to put it in context because there's – I still think – and maybe I'll go on a little bit of a rant here, but – a lot of people still think of Apple as a growth company, and I don't know if it's just looking on from the out, looking in from the outside, and, and not recognizing exactly what Apple is and what's happening with the business. But it's really not when it comes down to it. So you almost have to focus on it and say, okay, what do I want to invest in Apple for? Me, how I'm looking at it at this point is, I like the dividend, I like the capital return program. I'm holding for the longer term when it comes down to it. Um, but as you look over, okay, two to three years from now, based upon what we know at this very moment, us not being a board member, not being part of Joni Ives' design team and knowing exactly what they're working on, these game-changing products, we don't know exactly what's going to come out in the next few years. So you have to look at it over that time frame and say, okay, there's nothing that really stands out and says, okay, revenue is going to move significantly, and I'm going to see my share price increase by that amount. So I'm all I'm all about the dividend now. And to your point about it not being a growth company anymore, it's very difficult to experience extreme growth when you're already at a market cap of like $500 billion. Yeah, not to say they can't do it, but I mean, lightning striking twice like the iPhone and doing so over the next few years, which for many investors is the time frame they look at. Um, I don't necessarily believe that'll be the case, but hey, maybe we'll do a throwback show two years <laughs> from now, and I'm completely eating my words, but it's not a hard prediction, but yeah, all the signs sort of 
point in that direction. And a lot of investors have done very well by buying and holding, uh, you know, dividend-paying tech companies, dripping the dividends, and letting that compound over time. Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if if you're into options, selling puts, selling calls, those are all strategies to to grab even more income. If you want to juice up that that two percent yield, if it's not, I guess, sexy enough for you. Yeah. Uh, on my end, personally, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. So I am still an Apple bull. Um, perhaps after the necessary period passes, uh, you know, we're are you know we're not allowed to buy within talking about a, talk, a company for sure. a certain amount of time. I might consider adding to my position. Um, but I'm really not going to be. Fl- why the? Sorry, let's flip the interview here. Why? <laughs> why? Why are you thinking to add to the position? So I'm not freaked out about iPhone sales, and I won't be until I see what happens with the iPhone Seven. Okay. You know, like I think. The like we were talking about before, the two-year comp cycle is much more relevant. People know that the big changes are going to come when the number changes on the phone. Sure. And so, I'm not too worried about it. If they come out with a dud with the iPhone 7, then you start to think, okay, this is real stability. I'm still in the same camp as you with it being more of a moderate to low-growth company that pays a nice dividend and they're going to be around forever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of the iPhone issues and the concerns there are a little overblown. I'm also excited just to see what happens with the emerging markets. I think India is a huge opportunity. I think once they refresh the iPhone 7, um, there should be some nice response in China as well. Wouldn't it be amazing if Apple surprises us and says, okay, we're not doing an iPhone 7. We're going back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, they almost did with the SE somewhat. but Yeah, and, yeah. And, that's, and that's a great way to meet that market. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you for your time, Nathan. It's been great to have you back yeah, on the show. Yeah, love doing this stuff. Yeah, uh, Listeners, how are you guys feeling about Apple? Uh, send in your opinions. Uh, we always love to hear from you. You can write in at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. Again, we love hearing from you guys. It's always great to know the stuff you like about the show, some stuff you want to hear. And as always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, Nathan and I both do. Uh, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear here on the show. Uh, for Nathan Hamilton, I am Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.